So you know how to write great code. You know now you're officially a developer. Then you get on the job, you realize there's so much more. Today, we'll be discussing DevOps. Everybody, welcome to another uh, episode of Devs Like Us. I'm Clarence. Baby. Terrence. How's everybody doing today? I'm, I'm doing good today. This week is a pretty good week, so, you know. Good week's a good week. over. I'm happy. I heard we're talking about DevOps today. Yeah, this is your, this is, this is your happy place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting a lot from you today. You shouldn't. <laughs> I feel like once the topic was chosen, parents turned into uh, the mother off of Nettie Professor. Here can you, here can you. I did feel that. I did feel that. I felt that as well. But uh, but you know, every, every I am good. Um, I am exhausted, but I'm pushing through. Uh, it's four for inches, and we're almost there. So yeah, yeah. With the football terms, huh? Yeah, QB, QB sneaking right in there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but today we have a pretty uh, hot topic. Uh, it's a hot commodity. Uh, so uh, I'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, so DevOps. So what is DevOps? What what What's DevOps to you all? Mm-hmm. I'm just messing. Um for me, DevOps is, you know, the full life cycle uh, for the software from, you know, beginning to the end, which if it's, you know, uh, legacy software, there really is no foreseeable end. It just keeps getting better uh, with time. And so um, looking from the, uh, all right, what do we need? How are we going to implement it to um uh, once it's in production side, how's it doing? What changes do we need to make? What updates we need to make? And, you know, feeding that back through to continue that cycle. See? Yeah, so for me, it's, it's definitely what, what JB said. And then just like overall, it's really just, it's a mindset. So um, as JB stated, you're, it's, it's never, it's, it really never ends. And so it's, really the mindset of always looking to get better, always looking of better ways to have metrics, always looking of of really having, like, always being ready. And so um, when we see, when you hear, it pulls a lot of practices from um, site reliability engineers, and it also really is that relationship between development and operations and making sure that security is embedded in all of those phases as well. So it's really holistically is it's really truly just the mindset behind it all okay. i like that i like that yeah i guess for me i consider it kind of like the bread and butter of of software engineering you know it, it ties everything together puts everything in in motion and in place and, and make sure that all uh needed parties or needed participants you know are readily available and you know ready to kind of see uh, something from start to finish and you know as 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 well as a continuation from you know uh that first deployment of you know that that ready pro- you know production ready product so yeah. i guess uh so next question so i know you mentioned metrics terrence um you know how big 
what what do you think that what do you think the metrics what role does the metrics play and you know how important is it right so with the devops uh, mentality you always want to have some type of bar or to be able to baseline of where you started and um where and how you're improving so metrics plays a big part of that so you want to, how how many times are you able to to deploy a day how many times um are uh, how uh well, how much downtime has your has your system had uh, had uh, since it's been up? So, you know, when when in today's in today's field, when you need to do um, a hot fix or you need to uh, push uh, automate, uh, you have an automated uh, push deployment. Customers don't don't really want downtime. You know, what how what's the downtime for the customer? Is there any downtime for the customer? Are you rolling that over, and so the, the customers aren't aren't feeling any, any downtime? So metrics play a big role in it, and really just making sure that you have that baseline so you know okay are we improving on 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 these things and and so we can so you can just know where basically how how far you've come from from where you're starting at okay so i do have a follow-up then from that so i know you mentioned something uh, that was right pretty interesting and you think about like bigger projects or even compared to kind of like smaller projects but like daily pushes you know as far as like keeping everything up to date do you have any experience where uh you were pushing code daily you know to a production system and you know did it did anything ever happen that you had downtime that did affect the customer yeah so i've been on of course, I've had experience with where we are pushing, <laughs> we're pushing uh, multiple times a day and the customers aren't having any interruptions. And, you know, and then I've inherited systems where regardless of how, 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 like, regardless of, uh, you know, how many pra- best practices we knew of, there was just policies in the way of us being able to do certain things. And then, so, Certain people, and that's why it's all like you're always looking to improve. So you might not be able to. No one has this perfect um, DevOps philosophy model where everyone's is everyone's 100%. There's always something that you can improve upon, and so that's where something called po- postmortems come come comes into play. So po- postmortems are really big with the DevOps philosophy, and 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 I like to call them blameless po- postmortems, and that's when when you've had a when you've had a certain a big a main event and you want to be able to learn from that event, you just don't let that event happen and not learn from it and grow from it to where those metrics that we discussed earlier are improved upon. You have everyone in the room. Some companies they don't have management in the room. They and then if the management are disciplined enough to be able to be in the room, but the biggest thing is that there's no blame. We're not pointing the fingers at a particular person. They shouldn't feel as though their job is is in jeopardy. It should be a blameless postmortem. And in that process, really, you want to go in and you want to see what could what could you have done better, where could you have proved uh, upon, where did things go uh, go wrong? Not from a person standpoint, but from an execution standpoint and from a team communication standpoint. And then you make sure you document those and archive them to where. They're easily accessible. So if somebody new comes on this team, they can read all this breadth of information and see where between development and operations things might have fell through or um, there might have been uh, practices that were, were dropped. And then you find ways on solving those. And, to, and then so next time you go to another situation, you have a postmortem from that a, a similar event that you you can learn from that. So uh, the postmortems are really, really great to to, to process for uh, for organizations to do, but it definitely takes a lot of maturity. You want to have that trust with your teammates where 
it's not a blame game. It's a how can we improve? How can we get better? And how can we learn from this? Because no one wants, and we've all been on teams where they might have been the same problems keep keep uh, arising. We put out the fires so or the person's getting called in at 2 a.m. And it just keeps happening. No one wants to do that. It's going to have high burnout rate from your team. You're going to have high turnover. And that's like you don't you don't want that. So postmortems are are activities and, and ways to be able to help uh, to help improve uh, based off of those those events. So I actually I got a funny story. So I heard you say something that I thought was like really like interesting and it sounded like a dream because I guess from my experience I I have like experienced it a little bit but not at the same time. So blaming other devs. So I was on a few projects where the blame game was heavy and you know one thing that I love about Git is that you could go on there and you can right. select blame. And you can see who did the push that fit, you know, broke everything. And so uh, just funny story is that uh, I worked with a group of guys. We had one guy who was just like always pushing bad code, but always the first person to point the finger and say it was somebody else. You touched this. You did that. And it was just it was it was uh-huh. so heartwarming. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was it how, was many people, how many people are reviewing that and how many automated <laughs> tests do you have? within that process as well. So with right. this model, it's not just him. He can be a portion of it, but there's no point. We're not pointing who reviewed his code. There should be, right. depending on team size, as long as it's not two people, it should be two reviews on, on, on average team size going before that even gets pushed to uh, staging. So, and then not even from staging to, to test to prod or, or, I mean, everyone has slightly different uh, levels of resources there, but, what what was that process like? So there I think is oh, go ahead, Clarence. Oh, I was gonna say I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just oh, wanted to say like I kinda say, uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out like, you know, the number of resources is super important. And I think too, uh so with when I think about the whole DevOps uh cycle, you know, I've seen at a lot of companies that it's like you have certain people doing a lot of stuff. And, you know, one thing that I've seen a lot of in my own experiences that like uh, and one thing that was taught, but I don't feel like I've seen a lot of it is kind of like co-reviews. I've seen some positions where we did have heavy co-reviews, but then I've also seen where, you know, the company didn't value them as much as the teams did. So certain teams held it, but you know, it depended on who your product owner was and your scrum master and all that stuff was like, they might be like, Oh, if it works, ship it. Yeah. <laughs> you Just know? toss it out there. It's fine. <laughs> I have confidence in you. <laughs> and I mean, I might that could be another episode, you know, we kind of talk about that, but you know, it's just it's it to me, it's just like I don't know. I, like I said, I heard the word blame and it's just like I've seen where you, it's easy to just say, like you said, aha, I know who did that, you know, that kind of thing. So I guess that kind of brings in a good segment to our next question. So uh, why do devs have to do it all? Do you believe devs have to do it all, JB? Not that they have to do it all, but I feel as though they should understand the different pieces because there are times where they may be the only person that's there. They, you know, if you like in a situation where I think in the last episode we were talking about being on call. And so uh, if you're the person that's on call, guess what? You got to be that person to fix the problem. 
And so you need to be able to know and understand all the different pieces of the system, whether it's the testing, um, the, the metrics, knowing how to read them and understand them and pinpoint where the problem may be when assessing those metrics. Um, and just little different code breaks that may happen. You have to be able to know and understand all these different pieces. And so you don't have to do it all, but you need to be able to understand it all. Now that comes into the fact of, you know, um, having a good team flow um, where it's not just, you know, the devs over here, the operators over here, and it's just complete separation. You really need those two to mesh because that's how you really have a successful production process. Um, because if these two groups are like, well, I'm doing my part, I don't care what they do, something's gonna break sometime soon because somebody's gonna do something, they're gonna change something and they're not gonna communicate it with the other side. And then now you're there on Friday at like eight o'clock at night knowing you mm -hmm. have an event to go to and the system's broke, customers are calling and your boss is looking at you mad. And so if you know and understand all these different sides, then it helps with that. With that yeah. event that you're going to happen to be a hackathon or a uh, a community, a dev community? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. That's how I spend my Fridays. You know, um, I leave from work and go straight to some code meetup <laughs> or um, some hackathon that I just randomly found, you know, the Thursday before. It's like, hmm, what am I going to do on my Friday? Yeah, binary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, I, I've, I heard of a group that's uh, they call themselves Beard JS. Uh, it was on a meetup thing, and I, I was like, that's pretty perfect because you kind of mix the two together. And I mean, hey, that's a pretty cool Friday night. But uh, go ahead, Terrence. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're yeah. good. But so, just building off of what JB said, if you from this DevOps philosophy, there's no building your code and then throwing over in a wall to ops, and when it fails, it's just there. It's it's just on them. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these studies. Uh, sadly, I cannot quote the where it originated from but he basically said that they they noticed that if they called the developers at 2 a.m and they started to have to to come in and fix the system that's broken because of their code was not work it was not running uh properly those developers were a lot uh were considered and tested a lot more <laughs> than they than they would have if they just were able to throw it over the wall and ops and just forget about it so develop and, and like the word is out now all these books and all all the 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 DevOps movement is out now. All the metrics and numbers are, are there to where developers take uh, they're more they're just more considerate with what what they're what they're building if they have to be in and come in on call. And so a lot of these high performing teams, high velocity teams, their developers, they they have to not only build it, write it, but they also have to be there for it to make sure it's running. And so mm -hmm. when you're talking about the culture and mindset behind DevSops, that, that is one piece, that is one common characteristic there. You're not just throwing it over the wall. And some of these teams, they don't even have ops at all. It's just right. developers. Right. Developers right. do the tests. Developers. Like, I of it, and it, it seemed to work, and then they just toss it out there. Right. You have that one user that does that one thing you didn't expect, and yeah. now the whole system's dead. Right. Yeah. Because um, in, in, in reality, if we're automating it in a way that we're supposed to, your operations team, they should be small. It should right. they should not be there doing it a whole bunch. I personally and I need to actually look more into to the research of this, but I do feel as though the ops teams 
the, if if your ops team is extremely large and you have more ops folks than you do developers, then that means you invested in the wrong and in, or maybe it's some type of legacy system where they didn't have the developers there and they didn't start off with this DevOps model. Because in reality, we shouldn't have to have a whole bunch of uh, system admins. They should. I, I mean, it, you would prefer to be able to have a a bunch of 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 devs if it's if we're talking about a, a application system or some type of uh, framework there. So. Right. Not saying that there's not a, a need for it, but a lot of things, if we're automating things correctly and we have, and the system is providing the feedback to us, and that's one of the, the, the flows, you know, we're flowing left to right, and then we're also having looking for that feedback uh, from, from this model. And so we should be getting the information that you have the Kibanas and all these other different frameworks to where you, you're getting so much rich data graphs of what's the, what's the system doing, and you should be able to pinpoint and that's why when that's why and that's another reason why when developers are writing these code they they know who to call because hey look they built this ticket we know that this is this and it's never it's it's not that perfect but we we have a good you should have a good idea with with this model of who who's doing what and so it the accountability is there so makes sense so makes one thing sense. i wanted to add was um you know we keep talking about metrics 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 um one really important thing about the metrics is that you want to make sure that the metrics that you're pulling are actually valuable to the system because you can pull a metric and say that oh yeah everything's going great but when it comes back to you know implementing something else it doesn't really tell you when it breaks because it's not giving you the right information because you you or someone else on the team has put in some type of bias when it comes to the metrics that you want. They Now it's like skewed to the point where you're not getting any valuable information. So you really want to make sure that that uh, metrics development process is done the right way. And from, you know, a few different point of views so that you're getting that full scope picture as opposed to just one person sitting over in the in a room it's like yeah i think that's what they were talking about that's what they wanted and then you're not getting anything so yeah so i guess would you say in short that what you mean is that uh kind of following the the devops model everything has to be adaptable to yes. you know the the cycle itself and kind of staying true to uh just always kind of not being like set in stone but you know adjusting when needed and kind of like picking up on when you know things need to change and and so forth yeah definitely um because you need to know when one piece of the system is going stale as in users aren't really using this you know particular feature anymore because we added this feature well maybe we don't need this feature anymore or we just uh lessen the amount of work that we have our developers doing on that said feature and whatever goes into the background of that and so yeah, making sure you disperse your developers in the uh, the right way. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll go ahead and uh, that was a lot of good content. So I guess we can move on. So uh, my next question uh, is DevSecOps. Is DevSecOps DevOps? Did that DevSec correctly? So DevOps has security embedded into it in every single step. So uh, that's another buzzword. DevOps is a buzzword as well, but DevSecOps is really just like overdoing it. So DevOps should include security in it. So when you hear someone say DevSecOps is uh, is repetitive, it's like DevOps has security built into it. Each step, 
everyone has a responsibility for security. Not saying that there's not specialists for security, but everyone, the developers, are are held accountable for the vulnerabilities that they build into the system. Sure no buffer overflows. Right. So like we're like. And the thing is, and it's always going back to the developer because it really starts with us. There might be, mm-hmm. of course, it starts with a need or a customer. But as far as building and implementing, we're like we're like developers are the core in this. Right. So, so when you're, whenever you're doing your boot camps or your training, and you're like, man, I really mastered this JavaScript. I really mastered this Python. Oh, I'm awesome at Ruby on Rails, Node, all this good stuff. Great, but you also need to know how to run those. Uh, run those and DevOps, like I like we've we've stated, it's a mindset. It's 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 a cultural it's a cultural uh, approach. It's 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 a spirit like it's it's a spirit that you feel in the office. Like you can tell when you're in a, a DevOps office versus uh, those that are more that are not. So learn how to to implement with with uh, in those coding languages but also we we have to also know how to learn it so a lot of the education platforms traditional they they teach you how to the well they might not even teach you how to write the code but they teach you the the theories behind it but you also need to know how to write it and you also really need to know all the tools to be able to that and 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 methods it takes to make it highly functional and so mm-hmm. you don't want just pushing pushing once a day is, is not impressive for a lot of folks. You you should be able to, as soon as you have and this is the, another aspect of security. As soon as you see a vulnerability, you should be you should be able to push, and the customers shouldn't be uh, feeling any lag or or should they should always have access to to their service. So a portion of that there is a cost to that, regardless of how good you are. <laughs> so you do right. have to have the hardware and stuff to make that. <laughs> To, uh, to be able to have that with the A, B uh, zones and all that other fun stuff. But, so like there is a resource cost to that. But if your company is asking for that, you should be able to like map that out and say, yes, this is this is what we need to be able to do that. We can we can make that happen. Okay. Yeah. So DevSecOps, um, DevOps is it is 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 it's implied. It's there. <laughs> it's, I got you. Yeah. Um, I mean, all throughout college, we've all. Uh, had it drilled into us that uh, any development process that you start should have security in it from the beginning. And so um, that's that's essentially what DevSecOps is, is making sure that that security is embedded from start to finish because the fact that you never want to be that group that's like, oh, we found this, you know, this thing that we forgot to do and now your op side is really trying to go in and figure out all the different places that the devs have to go back and uh, fix because now you just have tickets on top of the tickets that you already had. And that can essentially mean you become swamped with tickets and it's just a never ending cycle of, you'll, you'll never come from under the, the major ticket influx. Um, that's not to say that you'll get to a point where it's just zero tickets because if you get to a point with zero tickets, somebody's not doing something right. But um, you you want to make sure that the tickets that you're doing are worthwhile and something that the customer can really see as opposed to just me doing a bunch of security patches in the background. So, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
So that actually is a segue into my next question. So I have a two-part question. Yes, I have a two-part <laughs> question. And I think the okay. second part might actually be a, its own episode of itself, but I definitely want us mm. to talk about it because I think that uh, it was brought up today. So benefits of DevOps. But part two of my question is with the benefits of DevOps, does that also include or does that address technical debt when it, it like when it comes to DevOps? It should, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Definitely yes to your second question. Okay. I, okay. I, I was so not, stuck on the yeah. second question. I need to <laughs> hear the first right. one. The first question. The first question was the benefits of DevOps. So constant improvement. So it's never ending. Like we talked about the infinity loop, like the infinite loop. It's it's never ending, and you're constantly improving, and it's high performance. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, integration um, amongst the um, the team sets. Um, Breaking walls down. So. <laughs> exactly. That, we we not toss things over the wall because me and the operator sitting right here side by side. You know? I wasn't um, gonna mention any yes. walls today. No yeah, walls. Today. Oh, thank goodness. We appreciate the you. Constant, yeah. So the constant feedback, the three ways, uh, always pushing downstream, and then ops. When they get that stuff, they can the feedback loop is there to where they're having that communication back and forth. And then the third way is just just an open environment for learning. So that's one of the yeah. biggest things, uh, uh, one of the, my favorite offers, authors around the DevOps uh, methodology mindset is uh, Gene Kim. So in three of his books, and he wrote it with others as well, the DevOps Handbook, the Phoenix Project, and then the latest one is the Unicorn Project. So those three books are awesome. They're also awesome in um, audible format as well if you're uh, tight on time as well but they have great like real life scenarios in there that and you'll hear the postmortems and and uh the communication between devs and ops and all of that great stuff in, in those books with real life problems like literally the one of the first ones is like uh with uh the payment systems down like people need to get paid and that system's down like, or or having issues so like they're real so like i would definitely encourage because those are uh, uh, don't just live off of your stories alone. Live off the stories of others, if, even if they're real or fake. This, these are, these are, these, these really have happened. So, those are great stories to be able to lean on. Lean on. So, when you're on the, these critical systems, and it, it is a jump. Like when you're a developer, you just, you know, let me just compile my stuff and run it. Like when this stuff is in the cloud and this stuff is running, customers are on there. They're still on there. You're on there, and the customers are on there at the same time. Like this stuff gets real, and when. Uh, and when money is on the line for these businesses, mm -hmm. or if you're with hospitals, if lives are on the line, like you're like, don't just don't minimize what we do and what we build as developers. This stuff is important. So when you're struggling with those algorithms, like learning these algorithms or just data structures, all this stuff is for important stuff. Sometimes we just think like, oh, we just want to get a job. Oh, we just want to get a job. No, this is this is like you're building. This is an art. Okay, this is this is this is serious, important stuff. So, this is uh, so these so building off of these books can also give you uh, a lot of benefit. Yeah, so those three books we can link those down. Do you, you, you have a digital copy or is it on that bookshelf behind you? 
I definitely have digital copies. I'm trying to save space. <laughs> that bookshelf looks so lucrative. I didn't know if you had it. If you just pull back. <laughs> so if I pull the uh, this book right here, I pull this book, the whole um, the whole bookshelf opens up oh, to a whole nother layer. Would that be your YouTube studio game. back there? Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> studio back there. It's the editing studio. I love it. I love it. I love um, it. So one thing I was going to say is, you know, um, Terrence mentioned um, like knowledge sharing. Um, one benefit of that is the fact that I've met quite a few operators who don't really have that formal experience of being a developer. And they're always like, you know, uh, I just want to see how it is. I want to, you know, you know, learn a little bit. And so I've had um, times where an operator's like, hey, can you just like give me a small piece of a project and, you know, kind of like, just so I can see how it is. And um, they they get the experience from programming and some of them are like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, I, I want to do this, you know, for a while. And there are others just like, all right, I had the experience, but it was nice, but I'm, I'm going to go back over here to the operator side of things and I'm just going to leave it. And so you get that kind of experience of, you know, not only being like a developer or a operator, but you're also teaching people. So, um, I learn from my sister admins all the time and they learn from me. And so, um, so yeah, we definitely have a nice little trade-off between each other as far as like, I'd be like, Hey, I'm trying to do something. And they're like, yeah, you just do this real quick and that's it. Or, uh, vice versa. It's like, um, even if it's not at like something for the job, they may be doing some type of home project. And it's like, so, you know, I know you're working in this space and, uh, I'm trying to do such and such. And it's like, Oh yeah, you just do that, that, that. And that should be it. So um, it's definitely good for the knowledge sharing piece. You know, uh, so, you know, tonight, I will admit, the flow is just amazing. I'm loving it. You know, we're going segue after segue. And act like you've been here before. What do you know? What, What do you know? What do you know? We have another segue. You brought up a good point. Becoming a value asset while in there. You gonna segue so much. You gonna segue right up off the. I, I know, I know. Y'all are just flowing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just gonna step back. I just want y'all. I, I'm Aren't just. You happy I'm I just, wasn't point guard tonight. Aren't <laughs> you happy I wasn't point guard tonight. <laughs> right, we, I, I'll, I got so many. Yeah, we're just dishing passes. Me and JB, the best shooting guards out here. <laughs> I'm just setting up to play on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we we just mix a lot of sports together. But uh, okay, but but that brought up again. So to bring us back, becoming a value asset. What is your what's your thoughts? I think you touched a lot on it, JP. But is there anything that you like to add, Terrence? Is there anything you just you know you want to take us away with? I I had a point, but I went business. The, uh, the business folks in your organization love metrics. And if you can prove to them the give provide them the numbers and the cost savings of and the agility, show them that in numbers and equate those numbers to dollars. Your goal is speechless. Like it's like you that a mic drop. You're proving mm-hmm. like you're proving your work. So if you're build if you as a developer can automate what three or four other folks were doing. Mm-hmm. Business standpoint, I mean, it's no burner. So, so when when folks are saying, "Oh, they just write code," that's a luxury. That's a real luxury, right? I I, I never want to be the person that just writes code. I want to 
I want to write the code and I want to run it effectively as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Anything that you like to add, JB? You good? Um, well, I don't know if you guys heard me at first, but I was saying uh, the continuous learning process. So yes. um, continuing to learn and grow and develop your skills um, really helps in making you a valued asset because if um, I see that you're, you know, really trying to better yourself in the space that we're in as far as what type of software that we're working on and learning and staying up on all the new features that you can add and things like that, then I know that you care. And so it's like, all right, I have somebody who wants to be here because if you if you don't want to be there, your your productivity level is not going to be where I want it to be. And so if I have somebody who wants to be here and that's eager about learning and sharing their knowledge, that's that's a good piece for me. Makes sense. So I'll I'll go ahead and add uh, my thought to it, and, and uh, I'm gonna make a outdoors uh, oh. or out out in the woods reference. But oh, when I think about becoming football, <laughs> basketball, <laughs> to the woods, to the woods, fishing, hunting, let's paint this picture. Is there camouflage on? <laughs> camouflage is on, but but uh, uh, becoming becoming a, a valued asset. When I think of that, and I think about just a a, a dev in general, I think of the multi-tool, the Swiss army knife, like that's how you become a, a, a valued asset. And, that, and in that is that, you know, you're offering so many different things and so many different scenarios. And you all touched on it a lot tonight that, you know, um, continuous learning, you know, being able to run your code and also, you know, not only developing, I'm sorry, let me take it back, but not only to being a developer, but running, understanding the system, understanding all of the processes, you know, like, you have to wear multiple hats and sometimes is being a dev. And so, you know, most people will look to you to be the project manager at times, you know, the just anything that the, the, the team needs like that, that relies on you because most of the time you'll have other folks that don't write code and, and that's going to be the first thing that they single out. They're like, oh, I don't know code. I don't touch code. But the beauty of being a developer is that you see everything from a technical side you see everything from a, a a broader scope so you get a chance to to wear those multiple hats and kind of see things go from start to finish in all of the roles so that to me is how you become a valued asset and just being as flexible adaptable again the, the swiss army knife any anything that you can think of that you could use like you pull it out I was like oh i have that you know and, and that's 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 you so a lot of good stuff covered. I, I I'm blown away. It is there any any final thoughts? Anybody anything want to add? Nope. I'll the take tools sound. are interchangeable. Okay. The mindset is the key. Okay. Okay. Take those books out. Okay. I I'll leave it at that. So guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Devs Like Us. Guys, again, don't forget to like, subscribe, and, and, and ring, ring that, that bell. bell. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our thing. That's our thing. I love that's it. it. I love it. That's I love it. it. Don't end. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you love the content that was shared today or any of the content that's shared in our episodes, feel free to share it with others. Uh, you know, we we drop some valuable gems. And also, if you have some gems to to add, drop them in drop our comments. Drop them, drop them in our comments. Hey, uh, so, you got any cowbells? That would be lovely if we could all just pull out some cowbells. 
I don't have any cowbells. I did look at one of the meal, the little uh, <laughs> the triangles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At my favorite store, they had one on sale. I was so tempted to get it. <laughs> I got to get us some bells. <laughs> but again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your support and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. So, on that note, I'm Clarence. JB. I'm Terrence. Be good, y'all. Talk to you next time.